This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. Today's sermon from our 2017 Easter Festival is by Scott Cunningham. If I haven't met you, my name's Scott. I'm on staff here at Church of the Resurrection. And uh, man, I get the, the task of just trying to help us process what just happened. Amazing, right? Um, one of my favorite movies is a story about this normal American guy. He works a government job as an accountant. He lives in an apartment. He takes the bus to work. He's just a normal American dude. Except uh, one day he starts to hear this audible voice narrating his life. So like he gets up and he's brushing his teeth and this voice with a better vocabulary than him and more creative than him is narrating what he's thinking and doing. So he freaks out, he goes to work, the voice continues to narrate what he's doing at work, and he's just like, what is going on? So it sends him on this quest to find out the answer to this question. What story am I in? What story am I in? He knew he was in a story. He knew there was an author, somebody was narrating it, but he didn't know which one. So he thinks, who, uh, who knows stories? Who can help me on this quest? And he thinks, literature professors. They will know how to help me with this problem. So he goes and finds this local college lit professor, and what happens is this hilarious scene where he's like, I'm in a story, I don't know which one I'm in. So the, the lit prof, in order to help him, starts asking him questions. He's like, well, are you the king of anything, like the trolls or anything? He's like, does anybody want to assassinate you? Uh, you know. Just crazy stuff like that. And he's like, I'm an accountant, for goodness sakes. Uh, it's really funny. But the lit prof is just trying to help him out with that question. What story am I in? And as I've thought about it, I've realized I love that movie so much because I relate to it. I relate to the question, what story am I in? And as I've thought about it even more, I've realized that I don't think I'm the only one who relates to that question. I actually think it's a particularly modern question. You see, for thousands of years, cultures all across the globe, east, west, north, south, wherever, have told stories to teach their children and one another who they were in this world. But our modern culture, out of this kind of value to not want to push anything on anybody, has tried to eliminate as much master storytelling as we can. We actually prefer to give each other blank storybooks and we encourage one another to fill in the blanks our, like ourselves. And I totally understand why we value that. Um, many of us have been hurt because people have tried to cram us into a story in which we didn't fit. We've had stories that were forced on us, so I totally get it. But for all of that, I think it's left us with what I'd like to call story hunger. Story hunger. Have you ever noticed how little kids, as soon as they can talk, begin to ask questions to try to figure out the story of the world and what story they're in? They know instinctively, without any of us asking them to ask it, that the world is not arbitrary. And so they ask the question that, if you're around like a three-year-old to an eight-year-old, can sometimes get annoying, but that question is, why? <laughs> right? Why? You can tell them how it works, but they still want to know. Well, why? Why am I like this? Why is the world like this? And even though many of us might grow up and sadly have that human 
instinctive intuition kind of pressed down in us, I think we still wonder. I think, I think we still feel that story hunger and in our quieter moments ask, what story am I in? Why is the world like this? Why is the world so astonishingly beautiful? Why is the world so astonishingly messed up? Children know what our modern world can cause us to forget, and that is this. You are meant to have answers to those questions. You are meant to. You were not created to have a blank storybook. You were not created for story hunger. So I want to ask you this morning, what's your story? What's your story? The reason we do this Easter festival every year, and actually the reason why churches literally around the globe for thousands of years have done this exact same thing, is because we don't think this is just a story. It's not just Church of the Resurrection story in Wheaton, Illinois. It's not just a retelling of an old myth. The reason we do this every year is because this story that you just saw and heard is your story. It's my story. It's our, every one of us in this room, it's our collective story. It's in this story as is told in the Bible, and I don't know if you know this, but everything you just saw is Bible. When people sing, dance, speak, whatever, it was the Bible. And we go way back in the Bible to learn who we come from, who's the author, and we learn that we're a part of this beautiful, broad, precious drama that we're a part of. So today, I just want to leave you with three things that I think are really important about this story, which is your story. The first one is this. It's in the story of the Bible where we learn why the world is so good. It's where we learn why the world is so good. I don't think there's a single person alive who hasn't had their breath taken away at some point by the natural beauty of the world. It could be Yosemite Valley. It could be an Illinois springtime just like today. Oh my gosh. How many of you got out of your house and walked to the car and were just like, oh, cherry blossoms are the best. <laughs> you all did. I cannot wait to go outside because it's awesome. And every time I watch creation, the reading, even these trees behind me, I mean, I'm always so compelled. I always realize this human gut instinct in me to say, yes, octopuses are amazing. <laughs> I love giraffes. The world is good. Stars are beautiful. I've always known that. But then I don't know if you notice the shift that happens, which is when you go from those days where all of creation is being made up until when Adam and Eve and they come out, and it's this new feeling I get. Like, the delight drops a couple levels in my heart. It becomes more of a reverence. Like, oh my gosh, humanity. We delight in the love and the creativity and the human heart when we dance with one another together and work together. It's beautiful. It's breathtaking. Creation was not an accident. You, today, sitting in this room, are not an accident. We learn in the story of the Bible that God, the author, 
out of the love and creativity of his own heart, created everything you can see, and he created you too. And from the smallest bird out there to the smallest cherry blossom, to you are precious in his sight. But if that's all that the Bible said, that would come short of our experience. Because that's not our whole experience. And that leads us to the second thing that's really important about this story, and that's this. It's in the story of the Bible where we learn why the world is so broken. At the same time that we can all feel that creation is inherently good, when we say yes, we all know without a shadow of a doubt, do we not, that the world is broken. It's messed up. There's something wrong. I don't think I need to convince you of this. You watch the news. You carry scars where you've been wounded by somebody else. You've wounded someone else. And humanity, almost in a chorus, asks, why? The Bible teaches us that our world is bent and crooked because all of us, in some way or another, have turned away from our creator, the author, and in so doing, have abused the goodness of this world and the dignity of one another. Uh, we saw this portrayed today in what Christians call the fall from the Bible when Adam and Eve, I thought this was really powerful, they crown themselves, they reject God as being their author, and they kind of throw that away, and they want to write their own story. And when they crown themselves to be the authors of their own stories, they turn inward. And I thought that was so heartbreaking with the mirror. Notice that disconnected them from creation and from God, but it also disconnected them from one another. So Adam and Eve aren't able to do the dance they weren't able to do before, or they were able to do before. They turn in on themselves. And that causes enmity, which is a big old word for bad stuff. We are the problem. And that problem is deep in us. And it's so deep that no government, no philosophy, no technology has ever been able to solve it. We continue to twist the good creation that God has made and reject him as our author. But, and that's why we call this all the good news, because this brings us to the third thing about this story, and that's this. It's here in the story of the Bible that we learn that God, the author, is in the business of restoring the world through the historical man, Jesus Christ. Did you notice right after what Christians call the fall, when everything was lost and broken, throughout the rest of the time, even amidst all the pain and the turmoil and the darkness, God's promising. He's giving these rays of hope. He's saying one day he's going to fix things. He's going to set the problem right. 2,000 years ago, the author himself stepped into his own story, and his name is Jesus. He experienced the brokenness we experience, except he did not turn inward on himself like we do. He didn't pick up the mirror. Instead of serving himself, he actually served others. And at just the right time, during this week, which we call Holy Week, if you see that on posters and stuff out there, during this week 2,000 years ago, the Bible teaches us that instead of getting rid of us to solve the problem, Jesus, out of love, took the problem on himself and died on a cross instead of us. It's an astonishing thing. 
Tonight, in Abraham and Isaac, did you see that instead of Isaac being killed, when they're reading the Bible, it says that the Lord will provide, and there's a ram caught in the thicket so that Isaac doesn't have to die. And the Bible teaches that Jesus did that for us. He is the lamb who was slain. And if that wasn't crazy enough, and we celebrate this as well, after three days, Jesus was raised from the dead, just like that story of the dry bones we saw. And at that moment, it was like the audacious, unimaginable, unthinkable turn of events in the story of the human history. Up until that point, every human story, every single one ended in death. It was a tragedy, and it was plagued by the brokenness that we have all played our part in. But with the resurrection, Jesus changed the story. He rewrote it, almost, you could say. He paved a new way of living life, one which was free from the problem and victorious over death. And then he invites us to share in that new life. It was the turning point of history, and that's why every year we throw a massive, massive party because it's good news. It's amazing news. And that movie I talked about at the beginning of the talk, whatever you want to call this, uh, basically the guy ends up, he goes with the, list, the lit professor, and he ends up actually finding the author. So he meets this person, and there's actually a book that he's a character in, and he has the chance of reading it. And it's so amazing. It's this transformational experience for him. He goes from feeling like he lives this dull, seemingly pointless life to all of a sudden feeling like his life just explodes in technicolor. There's joy and creativity. He does all these new things, and he even does something really heroic because, of course, he realizes he's a character in a bigger drama. There's purpose. His life as an accountant was not arbitrary. Jesus invites you into that same kind of experience, except it is so much better because these things happened. It's not fiction. They actually happened. And in Jesus, he restores the good, even more wonderfully, just like it said in our bulletin today, than when he made it. He restores the good, he heals the brokenness that we experience, and he reconnects us to our author and to the story that we were born for. If you're here today and you're new to Christianity, visiting with somebody or whatever, I just want to give you a couple ways to move forward. If you're sitting there and you're thinking, man, that sounds amazing. Almost sounds too good to be true. I want to meet this author. I want to have a transformational experience where my life explodes in technicolor. When I figure out the story that I was made for, if you're feeling that, if you feel like you were moved today by what you heard, I just want to encourage you to step out in faith. Connect with us. Here's just a couple ways that you can make that step of faith with us. At the end of this service, probably one of the easiest ones is I'll be at the very back uh, with Bishop Stewart, our senior pastor. Uh, we would love to chat with you and help you on this journey. We would love to give you a Bible so you can actually start reading this story. Um, but the second thing I would say is come back tomorrow at 10 a.m., um, all of these readings are from kind of the first half of this story. And tomorrow, we are going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, and it is an awesome party. And if you're thinking, that's impossible, churches can't throw parties because they're lame, it actually is a good party. Trust me, it's not super lame. 
It's awesome. You're not meant to have a blank storybook. It's not what you were created for. This is your story. Thanks for listening. Our vision at Church of the Resurrection is to equip everyone for transformation. As part of that vision, we love to share dynamic teaching, original music, and stories of transformation. For more of what you heard today, check out the rest of our podcast. To learn more about our ministry, visit churchres.org.